It's Seacoast Real Talk with John Rice. Exploring Southern Maine and New Hampshire Seacoast real estate and real life. He's the recognized expert of the Seacoast market with the kind of insight that only comes with 47 years of experience. From Tate & Foss, Sotheby's International Realty in Rye, New Hampshire, it's John Rice. Hello. Good to welcome everybody back to uh, Real Talk. Seacoast Real Talk, Episode 8, John. Can you believe that? That's pretty crazy. Wow. You can I now binge it. listen. You can binge listen. I have people tell me that all the time because you have yeah. enough. If it's more than three, you can binge. You know, yeah. that's how it works. We have Sean Fellows with us again today, and we have a lot to talk about with Sean. We've got a, we got a little I bit of... I should say. Yeah, we, it sound, wait till you hear about what's going on, but this is going to be a very full show. We've got the market update, the Sean report, and then we're going to explore the Berwicks. I call it the last affordable frontier in New England. Am I right, or am I being a little well, too facetious? It seems to be, and okay. we, the, the, we're studying it intensely, and okay. we'll get to that. It's pretty cool, actually. From the little bit you've told me, it sounds like it could be a really great option for people, yep. so can't wait yep. to talk about that. But let's start with the market update. It is August 14th right now, and this will publish on Thursday, August 17th, just so you have that in okay. mind when you hear these numbers. Okay, John, take it away. I think the key thing you start off with is a record lack of inventory. And uh, May, June, and July numbers are in, and each month set a record for the least number of active listings available for those months. And then coincidentally, June and July had the fewest sales ever recorded for June and July. So it was kind of like uh, January and in July, you're seeing across the board a modest amount of sales because of the lack of inventory. At the same time, because the law of supply and demand was working, you had six sales that exceeded $4.5 million. The biggest sale at 16 Atlantic Avenue in Northampton, which sold for $7 million, that was a Tate & Foss listing and a Tate & Foss sale, probably the only one that Sean wasn't involved with. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll hear from him shortly on that. Interest rates uh, remain steady-ish in the high sixes throughout this period. And uh, almost one-third of all the sales for the first six months of the year anyway for over a million dollars. A snippet here, the Massachusetts millionaire's tax is playing into the picture to a certain degree. It's kind of spurring the demand for luxury properties. That's where if in Massachusetts, if you earn more than a million dollars, there's an extra 4% surcharge on top of what you owe the state of Massachusetts anyway. So if you go north, young man, and turn to uh, New Hampshire, there is no income tax and there's no sales tax. So consequently, a lot of people are taking a look at it. But again, because of inventory and whatever, the total sales for the year for the first six months are down, actually for the first seven months, are down by 18%. The median price, this is another huge thing, and I have been talking to the media nonstop on this. The median price has risen unbroken month after month since January. It started out, the monthly median in January was 610. That wasn't a record, but in May, there was a record set which was 765. That was a new record. That was followed up by another record, 804.5, the following month. And then the latest is uh, for the month of July is 905,000, 
708, which is uh, really a staggering high price for a high for the for the median for the month. That prompted uh, WMUR Channel 9 to, to seek my counsel. And uh, so I was on the air on Saturday there, and I talked to WFEA in Manchester about this, and um, okay. along with the Portsmouth Herald and the union leader. So all the state's uh, media were really tuned to this, and I suspect that very shortly that that number will sneak up over the uh, million-dollar mark. We had the... Uh, all-time million-dollar sales volume in June. We had 32 sales in the month of June that were for a million dollars or more. So I think that covers the market. But we said that we would talk about the highest price paid and the lowest price paid. We wanted. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to leave any stone unturned here. So the um, so the highest price paid was the Tate and Foss sale I mentioned at 16 Atlantic Avenue. That was for a 10,700 square foot home overlooking the ocean, prolific views, and that sold at full price to $7 million and did not stay on the market very long. The lowest price uh, came in May, and that was actually a negotiated price. The uh, ask was $72,500, and the sale was uh, $65,000 for a two-bedroom seasonal cottage in Hampton. That was, uh, you're going to buy 620 square feet of seasonal living space for uh, 65000 The way things are going, uh, it could be a really good investment. That's the wrap-up for that. I don't see anything changing here. I, I th- this is a very strong, solid market and uh, a lot of confidence in uh, Seacoast real estate and not a lot of inventory. So um, with the money that's out there, I, I, can, I see things continuing to, um, to escalate price-wise. Yeah. Okay. Let's Sean has had a dream last few months. Uh, he really has, and so it's no exaggeration. I'll toot his horn if he won't. He he's really done very very well. And as a matter of fact, last month he had the highest sale in Rye. He's followed it up with some sales that are pretty substantial as well. It may not be the number one sale, but they're substantial. And so I think he's in a very good position to tell us what's happening, boots on the ground with uh, negotiating and who gets these houses and. Do you want to share some of your insights on, the, yeah. on that? Yeah, the last six or eight weeks here have been you know, quite interesting for me in the real estate market. It seems kind of like the perfect storm happened. All the listings and all the buyers seem to happen you know, within a, a short time frame. So it was certainly exciting and very busy time for me and my clients. But you know, my sense in the market right now is it's still a very competitive situation for buyers. My sellers on their listings, a lot of them receive multiple offers on their homes. And what kind of got those offers to rise to the top in some situations is certainly cash. Cash is king still in our marketplace. That's always going to continue to be that way. But it's not necessarily that you have to waive every contingency, but you can still have an inspection. But how are you going to get an inspection without the seller thinking you're going to nickel and dime them for small items? So can you insert a clause into your contract saying how you're going to do the inspection and what items you may come back on or may not come back on to renegotiate? So that's one way I've seen sellers benefit. And I've also had buyers benefit from that on their contracts as well. So it certainly helped them to you know assure the seller like, hey, we want to just kind of know for informational purposes, unless there's something majorly wrong with the house that would force us to exit the person sales agreement. And then coming back with sellers, when you get into that multiple offer situation, how do you best escalate the pricing up in the terms to benefit your seller. You certainly want to ask for highest and best from 
from all parties that are involved and, and see what they're willing to maybe shave off of their contingencies or things on the person's sale agreement that will benefit your client, whether that's price or terms and, and whatnot. So that's kind of what I've seen recently uh, as far as my buyers and sellers. And I certainly say it's worked out successfully for them, considering we've had a few that were listed previous summers and then actually sold for well over asking this summer. So it's uh, you know interesting market right now. It's certainly not the COVID craze that we had, but still multiple offers and still competitive. Okay. All right. Good for you. So, Congratulations. That yeah. must be, that must feel really great. And you're helping people out. That's the best part. Yeah. You know, you're you're doing your job and you're making dreams come true. Uh, John, speaking of dreams coming true, are we ready to talk about the last uh, final affordable frontier of the Berwicks? Oh, absolutely. Can uh, you tell us where the Berwicks lie within the seacoast area? Like, well, like- if you if look at a map, if you picture uh, New Hampshire and Maine together on the coast and you cross over to Maine, if you go about 12 miles north, you'll arrive at South Berwick. And to the left of South Berwick is, and I guess to the northwest, I guess, would be Berwick, and to the northeast would be North Berwick. There's sort of a, a triangle. And that's the area that we're, we're talking about. And that's an interesting market because, yes, as you'll see in this piece that I've put together here, there are things to do. And as an interesting community, as the seacoast towns, uh, the 13 sample seacoast towns have relentlessly marched into the 900,000s of dollars, there is a place where prices are comparatively reasonable and a nice area in which to live. And that is why we're focusing on the Berwicks of Southern York County, Maine. So these little municipalities, formerly mill towns or farming communities, offer rapidly vanishing semi-rural lifestyles but at the same time, as you will hear, the towns are within easy commuting distance of more suburban infrastructure and things to do. First, let's take a brief look at some of the rich and famous who yes. came from the area. Yeah. And you'll be surprised. I'm putting my historic hat on. North Berwick can boast about Ichabod Goodwin, who was born there in 1794. Now, everybody knows who Ichabod was, right? Mm. Maybe not. Goodwin was a Berwick Academy graduate who became a financial tycoon of the first order, and his daughter married Admiral George Dewey back in the day. He was governor of New Hampshire in 1860 when President Abraham Lincoln asked that the Granite State send a company of soldiers to help in the early campaigns of the Civil War, and the New Hampshire legislature was uh, out of session. So good old Ichabod just whipped out his checkbook and wrote the check to cover the troops' pay until the legislature was back into session. He made the assumption that they'd want to support them. There you go. And then there was the famed author-poet Sarah Orne Jewett. That probably rings a bell. She was born in South Berwick in 1849. She spent much of her life there. She died there in 1909. Her house still stands. And more recently, this one might or may not ring a bell, was uh, Mike Ruzioni. Mike was the star of the 1980 gold medal Miracle on Ice U.S. Olympic hockey team. I think he scored the winning goal against the Soviet team. And he was a uh, Berwick Academy alumnus. And a fun fact here is that he was the enforcer in my study hall (laughs) when I taught math at Berwick Academy. I relied on him to keep those, those little, those wonderful students quiet. Moving along, let's look at the area's real estate history. During the Great Recession of the early 2000s, Berwick real estate values were slammed to the tune of depreciation 
at more than 30%. And it didn't help that Maine income tax rates were among the highest in the 50 states. So when the Seacoast area began to climb out of the recession, you know, 2015, something like that, the Berwicks were left behind. Drilling further down, Maine's total tax bite is the third highest in the United States, according to WalletHub. Uh, where New Hampshire has no income or sales tax, as we've already discussed, Maine does, including an income tax gradually pegged from 58 to 7.1.5%. And I think that's higher than Massachusetts, if you're under a million dollars anyway. Mm-hmm. So while the Seacoast real estate values relentlessly escalated, many buyers hesitated to cross the river and go a bit north. And that is until there was almost no active listings to be found in Rockingham and Stratford counties and open house free-for-alls left buyers tired, exasperated, and somewhere in 17th place. So inevitably, the siren sound of Berwick's sub $400,000 ask prices became irresistible. And in 2021-2022, there were 96 transactions, closing at a median of, ready for this, 385000 So one could slip into a single-wide manufactured home for fifty nine nine, about half of what you'd pay closer to the coast. I'm thinking of the one we talked about. It was over in Exeter a couple of episodes back. And the, then the biggest sale during that period was, as opposed to $7 million on the seacoast, the biggest sale during that period was an 1852 farmhouse in South Berwick on two acres that transferred for $700,000. And actually, at that in that particular time last year, the biggest sale on the seacoast was $25 million, as opposed to that $700,000. Now, over the past 12 months, like the rest of the Seacoast, inventory in the Berwicks has dried up. There have been only 54 sales going for a user-friendly 405 median price, which is an appreciation of 5% over the last 12 months. And that's only actually 1% less than in the 13 sample Seacoast towns, but with a median sale price a good $300,000 lower. During this period, the lowest price paid was 65000 for a single wide, and the highest price was new construction at 695 so basically a flat line over the last two years. So as of a few weeks ago, while we're telling you to go north, young man, there were only six active listings in the area, ranging from a 1976 four-bedroom home on 1.5 acres of land asking 409 to a newer 3,700 square foot home for 1.15 million. So the, all of a sudden, there you go. See they're yeah. creeping up. <laughs> and new construction was available for 749. So that's still about 200 to $300,000 less than new construction would be in Portsmouth. Anyway, okay. yeah. anyway. But what are those things to do in quality of life amenities I mentioned? The things to do first begin with living space. None of these three towns has a population exceeding 8,000 people. So buyers can still find generous lots to cultivate the great American backyard and let the dog run. Looking at educational opportunities, it's quite the, it is a very strong area for education. Marshwood and Noble High School systems are, are excellent high school systems. They enjoy outstanding reputations. And then there's Berwick Academy, which is Maine's oldest private school. And it was founded in 1791. And it's K through 12. And it draws students from a really wide circle. I think people from as far away as Concord go there. And Berwick regularly sends its sons and daughters to some of the finest colleges and universities in the land. And this includes um, some of those Ivy League schools. And speaking of good schools, UNH is nearby to the Berwicks. And they're also 
several outstanding community colleges that offer a, a more affordable education. And uh, when you're driving down such beautiful back byways as Blackberry Hill Road, Emery's Bridge, or Witch Trot Road back there, it's easy to forget that major employers are within a, a 15 to 25 minute radius, not to mention Portland, which is only 40 miles away. Pratt & Whitney Aircraft has a major plant in North Berwick. So when you talk infrastructure, there's also at least 16 human and animal hospitals within a 25-minute drive, including a Mass General affiliate and two major cancer centers. You have the Amtrak train service to Boston or Brunswick, Maine. That stops in nearby Wells, Dover, or Durham. And then the Portland Jet Board is 40 minutes away. And you can throw in Manchester Airport, which is probably an hour away. As for things to do, you can celebrate local culture at the annual Strawberry Festival in South Berwick. Whenever you mention that, if people say, oh, South Berwick, the Strawberry Festival. Okay. Well, that, cool. That's pretty, yeah. that's a very big thing, I think. <laughs> I love that. And, then, and you can enjoy weekly summer concerts outside the hauntingly beautiful Hamilton House. If you've ever been up there, that's a really gorgeous setting. And that's combined with the Vaughn Woods, that complex of forests and trails is, commands 50 acres overlooking the Salmon Falls River. It's really a Hollywood vista. Now, those in the know, I didn't, I discovered this, those in the know call South Berwick Sobo. I didn't know that. And uh, it also boasts concert series called Hot Summer Nights. They hold that on the Central School lawn. And I, I guess it draws quite a crowd. And a lot of the Seacoast top talent performs there. Uh, this is also a very, South Berwick is a very progressive, arts-friendly community, and they have reached out to Tuskegee, Alabama mm. as their sister city. Oh, neat. But if the great outdoors is your thing, you can take a quick hike up nearby Mount Agamenicus, or you can visit one of five spectacular main beaches, all within a 20-mile drive. Sebago Lake, and that drive up from Berwick to Sebago is beautiful. That's only 50 miles away, and the White Mountain National Forest and the gateway to the White Mountains is 90 miles away. And it's, it's further than that if you live on the seacoast. And that's all accessed by really beautiful roads. And if you are hungry, if you like the little country restaurants, there's quite a few of them uh, throughout that area, lesser known, but they're getting four and five stars on the internet. Uh, I'm told by a very dependable authority, a very good buddy of mine, that the, the early bird in South Berwick is a terrific little breakfast spot. Mm. And actually, I had some wood delivered to me uh last week from a guy who's based with South Berwick and he's oh yeah the early bird <laughs> so I'll expect the check in the mail Carla but anyway uh <laughs> it's a, it's basically all you need right is a great it, breakfast spot absolutely back to those things to do we count about 29 public and private golf courses uh Sean would know about this wow near or around the Berwicks and there's a 15 to 20 minute drive well put you in Dover, Portsmouth of the Yorks, and all those great communities offer, but without paying the real estate prices. So summing all this up, as I mentioned earlier, I actually began my professional career teaching at Berwick Academy and selling real estate part-time out of York, Maine. And I used to think that driving up to South Berwick from the coast was like driving to the end of the world, <laughs> but not anymore. And as an old Kittery Point, Maine friend of mine once said, it may seem on the surface like life in the slow lane, but the Berwicks have a lot going for them, including life in the slow lane and the price is right. It's um, attainable, which is so great. It sounds like between the, the natural resources, there's industry there. 
there's something for everybody. So it might yeah. be worth the trip to go up there. Next episode is going to be in November. We're definitely going to talk about your England trip. You took a cruise and you have Titanic information and you didn't you do a <laughs> you did a Titanic tour and all of yeah. that, right? We're yeah. going to, we want to talk about that. And you're still thinking about what you want to talk about for November in the next episode. You said you and Sean will put your heads together and we'll just have to wait and see what we talk about next. It'll be good, whatever it is. Whatever it is, that's right. (laughs) And in the meantime, boys, keep selling. Keep just killing it. It's so fantastic to hear. Yeah, I I think we're going to become a monopoly. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, All right, well, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Seacoast Real Talk with John Rice. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published quarterly. For help with your podcast, find Modcast Productions on the web at modcastproductions.com.